0: Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves and to others. And I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that telling our stories and saying out loud what has happened to us can open the door to our healing. That's why I created this podcast this space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories. You are not alone, and this is the Change of Air podcast. Today, we are going to talk about aces, not the suit on the playing cards, but aces meaning adverse childhood experiences. And I'm sure just in hearing that phrase, you think, yeah, that's why I'm listening to this podcast, I have had some adverse childhood experiences. I first came to this phrase and the very idea of ACEs through an amazing book called The Deepest Well by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. Her book, The Deepest Well, the subtitle is Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood Adversity. It is a very powerful book and it helped me understand The urgency of our situation in a very specific way. And she's a doctor. She started noticing years ago in her practice, she was seeing younger patients, and she started realizing that her patients, who had seemed to have had more intense childhood experiences, seemed also to have more actual medical issues, not mental health issues. Not necessarily stress disorders, but actual physical health concerns like heart disease, asthma, early onset diabetes. And she began to wonder if stressful childhoods could lead to poor health. After a lot of research and after discovering this ACEs test, a test that had been published years prior in 1998 in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, she arrived at a very clear conclusion. After seeing so many patients and reading the study, she realized, yes, I, I have the data, I have the evidence that growing up in a traumatic household and experiencing what is formally termed advanced childhood experiences could lead directly to physical health issues, lifelong physical health issues. When I read it, stopped me in my tracks. I have never, ever felt an urgency to heal. We know that it's important for us to name our trauma, share our secrets, tell our stories so that we get them out of our bodies and can begin the process of healing, so we can lead lives with meaningful relationships, so we can shed old behavior patterns that keep us stuck, so we can be productive members of society and, and kind of not forever be weighed down by what happened to us as kids. I've always felt that I've wanted to heal so that I could fill the hole in my heart, kind of finally get at that thing that has always felt missing, access a part of myself that never felt fully understood. Healing to me has meant I I can fill that hole. I can find that thing that's always been missing. I can be fully understood, be seen, understood, accepted for who I am. That to me has been why I began to try to heal That has been the importance. And we're also always told true healing takes time. These are not lessons learned easily in a few weeks or years. We have to unfold and unlearn and rediscover ourselves and relearn new behaviors, rewire our brains, release old patterns. All of this takes time. And I have taken great comfort over the years. In knowing that I have all the time in the world to heal. And there are hundreds of Instagram quotes that will reaffirm this for us, right? You are right where you need to be. You are on your own time. Healing is not linear. All will happen as it's supposed to, right? We are told that we'll all come when it comes and that there is no need to force it. And when you're healing from really crummy stuff, as so many of us are, It is such a great comfort to hear that you can take your time. And then I read about ACEs. I realized that I might develop a serious health condition or several simply because of what I experienced in my alcoholic home. Suddenly healing on my own sweet time seemed like less of an option. Healing ASAP, that seemed really important. Kind of all of this blew me away. So what is ACEs? What is the ACEs test and how can we use it as a tool? Just like everything else I share with you, these are just tools. You can take them or leave them, only use the ones that make the most sense to you. But for me, this particular test and these studies and the science behind this really put a finer point on why healing is so important and helped me start to think about how might I balance like super urgent healing so I don't get super sick with also the reality that we have to live our lives and get to know ourselves better before we can understand behavior patterns and change them before we understand why now as adults we're triggered by something that happened all those years ago. That takes time. I'd love for you to think about ACEs as I go through it as something that might help us prioritize, not force, not pressure, but prioritize our healing. So what's this thing I'm talking about? Aside from, you know, a study from decades ago. So the main way that I came to ACEs, aside from reading that book, which I'll link to in the resources and in the blog post about this, the ACEs, it's a test. And you've seen, if you followed me for years, I have had a link in bio to the ACEs test for several years. And there's a reason for that. Discovering this changed everything for me. The ACEs test scores you based on your adverse childhood experiences and the test measures 10 types of childhood trauma. Five are personal, including physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical neglect, and emotional neglect. And then the other five are related to family members. Did you have a parent who's an alcoholic? A mother who's a victim of domestic violence, a family member in jail? a family member diagnosed with a mental illness, and the disappearance of a parent through divorce, death, or abandonment. Yeah. (laughs) So even just saying that out loud, even after I've read this countless times, it still catches in my throat. The first time I read that paragraph before taking the test for the first time, I thought, well, hell, (laughs) I, I don't even need to take this test. Because if the test is 10 points and you've just read off those 10 things, yeah, I, I probably a lot is going to add up for me. Yikes. The test also notes that other types of trauma, again, this test was done in 1988, Kaiser Hospital in the Bay Area. Shout out to the Bay Area. That's where I'm from. It was done a long time ago. And since then, the test really takes great pains to remind us, which is so important, that there are so many other types of trauma than the ones that I just read to you. Trauma also includes racism, bullying, watching a sibling, grandparent, parent be abused, losing a caregiver, homelessness, surviving and recovering from a very serious accident, being involved in the foster care system, and several others. So, you know, keep that in mind as you come to this test. It is likely that you have experienced one of the things I just mentioned, and it's not listed on the test, but certainly counts. So keep that in mind. So that's what the test measures. It's only 10 questions, and you can have a maximum of 10 points. And yeah, based on what I just said to you, I think you can pretty much guess at how it goes. I'm going to read this to you. I will also link it in the note show notes. I will link it into the blog post. And it is already, if you follow Change of Air on Instagram, it is already one of the top links in Lincoln bio. Before I walk through this, I just want to pause for a minute and say this can feel intense. It can feel overwhelming. If you have downloaded my free ACOA guide, after a few pages of sort of intro and and what is this guide about, there's a section about naming who in your home or family or life uh, is an alcoholic or was an alcoholic whether they're actively an alcoholic, whether they're sober now, but weren't when you were a kid or whether they've passed from alcohol related reasons or not. And there's a reason that's in the guide because there is such power in just stating the facts. And we as adult children of alcoholics have grown up in homes that didn't always traffic in truth, right? And so just naming that my uncle was an alcoholic, I have a whole story about my uncle that I'll share on a future episode and how he would come during Christmas in his Santa outfit and just wreak havoc on the only side of my family that wasn't an alcoholic family and kind of wreck the only time of the year that was like not pre-wrecked by everyone's drinking. So I wrote him down when I I took my own guide and and filled it out. Is it your uncle? Is it your parents? Uh, is it your a Sibling? Is it a grandparent? Naming the truth is the, like, the very first step to healing. But just writing those names down and just admitting to yourself that this is true is hard because you then have to face what you wrote down and you have to face the truth. It's the first step to healing, but that doesn't mean it's super easy. <laughs> it's quite triggering and can be for a lot of people. In the same way, I'm going to read these questions And whether you're driving and listening to this, whether you are doing housework and listening to this, doing errands, whatever it is, or you're just, you know, devotionally sitting quietly, as I like to imagine all listeners are really listening, um, the same thing may happen. You may, just in having to say yes or no to these questions, will have the same effect of writing down in my guide, who in my life was an alcoholic, because it will mean that we have to acknowledge the truth of the situation. That in and of itself can bring up a lot of stuff. So I just want to share that, go into it with this open mind. In the same way that the 13 characteristics can be really challenging because it's like, ugh, really? Through no fault of my own, this is the thing? Uh This may feel similar. So just keep that in mind. But I've got, as, as I always do, as you know me by now, uh, a really... positive spin on it all later in this episode. So stay tuned for that and don't freak out during this first part. So here are the questions. For each question, you either enter a yes or a no, and for every yes, it's one point, okay? And you'll see this in writing. Audio may not be easiest for you, but I want to give you a sense of what's included. Question one, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? Number two, did a parent or other adult in the household, often or very often, push, grab, slap, or throw something at you? Did they ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Three, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch you, fondle you, or have you touched their body in a sexual way? Four, did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Or did you feel that your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? Five, did you often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, And had no one to protect you? Or were your parents too drunk or too high to take care of you? Or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Yeah. (laughs) We're almost done, I promise. Six. Were your parents ever separated or divorced? I'll pause here because I think we don't often associate just a separation or divorce with trauma. But depending on when in our childhoods and depending on what precipitated it and the events around it can that in and of itself can be a pretty significant adverse childhood experience just a note seven was your mother or stepmother often pushed grabbed slapped or had something thrown at her or was she sometimes often or very often kicked bitten hit with a fist or hit with something hard was she ever threatened with a gun or a knife eight Did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic? Nine. Was a household member depressed or mentally ill? Or did a household member attempt suicide? And finally, did a household member ever go to prison? (sighs) Yeah, I know. That's intense. I'm glad you're still here with me. I'm getting emotional. And I've seen this dozens and dozens of times. Even now, taking a catalog of what I've been through. And what I know, you must be feeling just hearing this. Um, I get it. I get it. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to cry. Um, I get it. It's, it's a lot. But we're going to get through it together because it's that important. Because obviously we don't want to have all of these medical <laughs> issues. Um, so it's important that we look at it and do our best to kind of move through it together. So that's the test. You're then asked to add up your score. And my score? Yeah. It's also intense. I scored a seven. As you might have guessed, uh, the more, (laughs) the the higher your score, the greater your risk for chronic disease. I really wanted to score like a one or a two, but I knew just in scanning the questions the very first time I saw this test, I was not going to have a super low score. So what does it mean, this score? As I said, the higher the score, the greater the risk for chronic disease. And the higher the score, the greater the risk for health and social problems in addition to chronic disease. And here is what really wrecked me when I first took this test and tried to then understand what a 7 meant for me. What does this mean? What can I do about it? As your ACE score increases, so does the risk of disease, social, and emotional problems. With an ACE score of 4 or more, things start getting serious. The likelihood of chronic pulmonary lung disease increases 390%. Hepatitis increases 240%. Depression increases 460%. Yeah, with a four. If you listened to the podcast episode about all the meetings, you know that I resented having to go to meetings for a drinking problem that was not mine, right? If you think I resented going to Al Anon, I can tell you that I really resented having taken this test the first time. Having, and and frankly, many times, I'm a little angry now. I really resented having a predisposition to nearly every chronic disease because my parents were alcoholics. And I'm not talking a little angry, a little miffed. I am talking full fury, rage, anger, victimhood, all of it. For a really long time. I understand why this is the case. Setting aside what my parents did and what I grew up in. I, I work with wellness clients for a living. I work with amazing functional, doc, functional medicine doctors every day. I do detailed nutrition guides about food and stress and all of that. I know that growing up in fight or flight survival response all the time means that our stress hormones... Our cortisol levels are elevated all the time. Elevated stress year over year over year can absolutely increase disease factors because stress is inflammation and inflammation in the body leads to disease. So if we were always in stress, that's a straight line to disease. I get it. In the same way that some of us have been recently been chatting with each other about personal hygiene that we never learned from our parents, if you've been following along on Instagram, I've done several posts about this. I wrote a post several years ago about this, and a few people were asking, so I brought that post back, and we've been talking about it for the past few weeks, that we just didn't learn basic hygiene. I, I truly have an app to remind me to brush my teeth, really, and I know better, but I, I just don't remember to do it because that was not a thing I was, was the least priority in my home growing up. We were not taught these things at home because we were busy surviving our homes. No one was handing out hygiene advice in my household for sure. There's a whole episode we'll do about this, I promise. But in the same way that we did not learn hygiene, hygiene things, brushing our teeth, uh, folding clothes, showering, washing our hair, shaving legs, we also never learned how to regulate stress, right? If, if our parents weren't teaching us to brush our teeth and my mom never taught me how to shave my legs that yeah, certainly she wasn't helping me regulate my stress, the very stress that she was causing by her drinking. So this is a lot. This test is a lot. Getting her score is a lot. And then realizing what that number means is a lot. But I'm sharing it with you because knowing about this and taking this very test, that is a lot, admittedly, it made me shift my focus In my own healing, quite a bit. While I know I can't force healing, I can't rush it, we can make a choice. We can decide to heal. So I'll say that again. While we cannot force our healing or rush it, we can decide to heal, right? We've all made that choice. That's why you're listening. That's why we're connected because we've. We've decided at some point, this thing is going on with me, all the way back to the first podcast episode of me saying, like, I'm behaving strangely in regular situations. Something's clearly going on with me. And I'd like to not behave this way anymore. And I'd like to not feel this way anymore. So I need to know what's going on with me, right? Like, that often is the beginning of healing. So we're all here because we've made a choice. And for me, ACEs reminded me that yes, I've made this choice to heal, which is why I took the test in the first place. But the results of it made me realize I can decide to heal yet sooner if I know that there are some really compelling health reasons to do so, along with all the other reasons we naturally want to heal, right? So we don't act strange in the car dealership. So we have really solid quality relationships. So we are quote unquote happy. So we understand our reactions and and make different choices. Those are all the reasons we mostly talk about healing. But ACE has made me realize, ah, there is yet another equally urgent, maybe slightly more urgent reason to heal. And it can feel like, ah, heart disease is decades from now. I'll worry about that later. It's not how inflammation and stress and cortisol works in the body. So these are things that even though those diseases feel like they might be years away, they are things we can do now. That's what this test has done for me, even though it feels like a lot. So this can feel intense and I get that. I was right along with you when I first took my test. In fact, the doctors who started giving this ACEs test came up with a resilience test because I think they too were like, whoa, <laughs> like we have these people take this test. Their score is high. That's not ideal, And then we just send them off with the knowledge that they are way more at risk for all of these diseases and like send them on their way. Not ideal. And that's what I want to sit with with you. I don't want to share the intensity of it and uh, end the episode and, (laughs) and walk away. Because there's the reality of dealing with the number and the awareness that we are predisposed now to all of these health issues because of what we went through. So what do we do about it? How do we go about the business of healing in our slow, beautiful way, but also with like, you know, a bit of urgency. So the resilience test, and I will link to this as well, along with the ACEs test on the Change of Air site and on the blog and link in bio, it helps you identify your resilience to overcoming your ACEs score. Like what is your likelihood of being able to heal and focus on your own wellness so that you can reduce stress. Um, And actually the last episode, now I'm even getting my episodes wrong, uh, it's all about yoga and meditation and breath work and tapping and journaling, all these very great stress reduction tools. Great tools as we look to reduce inflammation and look to reduce the likelihood of developing serious chronic diseases. But I love that even the doctors realized okay, this ACEs test is a lot, and we need to help people understand that they are resilient. We are also resilient, we're all here. We may not remember to brush our teeth or eat or wash our hair or take showers. We may not fold the clothes right, but we're here because we survived. And now we can learn all of this stuff. And, and that shows our resiliency, right? We, we're here talking to each other. We made it. And now we can learn to brush our teeth and fold clothes and whatever all those things were that we did not learn because we were busy surviving. And we did it. I'm proud of us. We got here. That shows that we're resilient. So this test... The resiliency test has several questions. I'm just going to run through them really quickly. And again, I'll link to it just so that you can kind of get a flavor. I promise you at least one or two of these, you'll be like, okay, yes, I see my own resilience. Aside from the fact that you're here listening and want to heal, right? You've already demonstrated your resilience, I hope, to yourself. Here are just a few of them. I believed that I was loved when I was little. When I was little, other people helped my parents take care of me and seemed to love me. I can raise my hand here emphatically and say, I'm not here without the most incredible grandmother ever, 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 who I knew loved me, even when my home was crazy and scary. My grandmother loved me, and that was so clear. And I just a moment for my grandmother who has passed, who truly, I don't know where I'd be without her. She's sort of like the best parts of me are her, and so much of my eventually being able to tap into a belief in myself and a love for myself is be- is like a kernel is from her loving me. So it could be anyone, but if you had someone in your life that was not in your immediate family that like you knew they loved you or cared about you or you felt safe with them, your resiliency is already upped. When I was a child, were there relatives in my family who made me feel better if I was sad or worried? Were there neighbors or friends' parents who seemed to like me? Talk about hygiene stuff. I feel like the only way I learned anything about female hygiene was from my, my friend's mothers <laughs> who paid way more attention to me than my own mother. When I was a child, teachers, coaches, youth leaders, ministers were there to help me, right? You can start to get the the framework of this, that ultimately, though we grew up in a really challenging home environment and our ACEs score may be high, our resiliency scores are also probably pretty good. We knew that other people, other systems, other communities were probably there to help. And just knowing that when we were going through what we were going through is going to help us heal, okay? I'll link the whole thing. I won't go through it all now. So I'm glad that that exists. I'm so glad that the doctors who are treating children right now, who are living through what we all live through as children, I'm so glad that those doctors are looking for signs so they can start to address both the trauma and the chronic stress so much earlier in kids' lives today so they don't develop these chronic diseases. And so they get help, the help that we, we certainly didn't get growing up. But I also know that even just talking about this, I also know how hard it can be when you are trying to heal from having alcoholic parents to learn That surprise, in addition to all the heavy baggage you are currently wading through, and I know a lot of you are, we talk about this all the time, even the 13 characteristics, we we had a lot of intense conversations about that. That that has been very upsetting for a lot of you to see those for the first time or be reminded of them decades later. So we're already navigating tough stuff. And so to learn like surprise, in addition to all this heavy baggage that you're currently wading through, there's yet a whole new set of luggage that's super heavy and also not super fun to wade through. I get it, I get it. But here's how I see it. And I invite you to see it this way with me if you're open to it. I would rather know the truth. We spent so much time in secrets and lies and unspoken truths that I'd just rather know. And in knowing, I feel like I've been given a mission to heal myself, an actual mission. It's no longer a nice to have. It's no longer, "Ah, maybe I'll take some therapy and learn to regulate my responses and look at me, I'll, I'll like brush my teeth with an app. That will be good enough. I will be doing the work and I can take my time. It's clear to me now and might be to you after hearing about ACEs that we need to prioritize our healing like over everything else. And that in this fascinating way has given me permission to care for myself in a way I did not quite own when it was just emotional health on the line. Yes, I'll go to therapy. Yes, I'm helping my mental health, self love, self care. Yes, yes, I, I understand the value of all that and valuing myself and I will do better to take care of myself. I felt like I was doing all of that and I would, you know, get busy at work and not prioritize any of that. But this the realization of that my physical health, that I am predisposed to chronic diseases as a result of what I've been through, has given me a new kind of permission to put myself first. If you've ever felt selfish for caring for yourself, as I did, my mother called me selfish all the time when I was young, and it took me many years to realize that was about her. It was her own stuff, her own projection onto me. But it took me years to feel not selfish just for taking care of myself. So if you've ever felt selfish for taking care of yourself or felt guilty or found it hard to prioritize your care and healing and health, the ACEs test gives you quite a firm nudge to make yourself a priority. That is how I've chosen to use this particular tool as a way to see how bad was it and then be like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So bad. Objectively. Very bad, according to this test. Duly noted. What can I do about that? How can I make sure I prioritize my healing so I have a much better chance at staying healthy as an adult and not getting diabetes or heart disease or cancer earlier than most? As with any tool I share with you, I'm sharing my experience with it. You may have a different one. But I encourage you to check it out just to see. And I am here if you take the test and the whole thing freaks you out. DM me. We'll talk about your score and your resiliency score together. But I share this with you because you deserve to heal from everything you've been through. None of it was your fault. And it is so easy for us as ACOAs to not set boundaries, to people please, to overwork, to give too much to everyone but ourselves. I know this about you because it's me too. And I want you not just to heal. I want you to thrive. And I want you to show your family and your children and your ancestors that this ends with you, that you've cracked the code, that this will not pass to future generations. I want you to do brilliant things in your life. I want you to do everything you want. And you can't do that. And I can't do that. We can't do that. If we're prematurely sick, because we grew up with too much stress. And then we didn't want to look at it as adults. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. Bear with me. Um, I mean it. You are magic. You deserve magic. And that means being healthy. And that means looking at all of this so that we can get healthy. Okay? Thank you, as always, for being here. I am sending you so much love and goodness. And I mean it. If your test score freaks you out, let me know. We can freak out together. And then we can do something about it. Until next time.